All right, and we are back on the Stab Cusp. I am Michael Saramella, joined by my co-host, Stace Galbraith. We have some breaking news, and it's actually very relevant to both of our lives and kind of what this podcast started as is a bit of a world tour. Um, I don't know, what would you call it? I kind of think it was almost like an after-the-game breakdown sort of style of podcast where we'd kind of analyze the events and the performances and aim to give some behind the scenes intel that maybe you didn't pick up on the webcast but with no events happening that's pretty hard to do yeah but we do have some new ish info that came out today via the wsl press machine and that is generally that they're going to be having some sweeping changes in 2021 So, um, yeah, why don't we just, I guess, just dive straight into it and basically talk about what the proposed changes are and then, yeah, we'll just kind of give our thoughts on them. Um, So do you want to read off, I guess, the first one? There's like three or four kind of major changes that they've proposed. Yeah, well, I guess the first one is pretty self-explanatory. Everything's still on hold, but they're looking to make a call uh, in early June for events starting in July and they're going to monitor the world situation and see if it's possible. What's your thoughts on that being possible? Yeah. Well, I would say very low that they are going to start by July. And with that in mind, it's like, when will they be able to start? And, you know, if that point isn't, by say like August or September, can they even justify running a world tour? We heard um, Mick and John John kind of talking about this on the last Stab Unplugged episode. And Mick doesn't think that they should basically run, he doesn't think that they should crown a world champion if there's any less than seven events, I think Mm. he said. Yeah. And uh, unless the WSL really tried to cram them all in the back end of the year, that seems pretty unlikely at this point. Yeah, I I agree. And that kind of leads into 2021 and beyond. Though, if they did do that, it would give people a taste of what they're trying to do, which is, uh, I'll let you take the lead on that one. Yeah, so, okay, I'm going to read this, uh, kind of the official nomenclature so that we don't get anything wrong. Uh, So, beginning in 2021, the world titles will be determined in a single day event with the title being won by performance in the water in the last heat of the season. We being the WSL have been developing this in collaboration with our surfers and partners for a while now. And we're very excited about what it means for the future of surfing. Pushback examples include Super Bowl, NBA final, FIFA world cup final, where in regular season performance gets you to the show, but you have to perform on the day and in the spotlight to be a world champion. Um, and for our Australian listeners, the AFL and the NRL is, I guess, some examples because not a whole lot of us watch the Super Bowl or the NBA and soccer is not too big in Australia. Yeah. But basically it's, you know, what we've come to see in a lot of major sports where there's a regular season and then there is essentially the playoffs where, you know, you have to have a certain rank to even get into the playoffs and then presumably your rank in the regular season seeds you in the playoffs to like, if you know, if you're the first seed, you'll probably go against the, the lowest seed or whatever. So it, it 
behooves you to do well in the regular season, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what are your general thoughts on this? How does this sound to you as, you know, somebody who actually coaches championship tour surfers? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds amazing. Um, I still think it, it gives a lot of, like you say, a lot of credit to the regular season. Um, you want to, you want to go in as rated as high as possible. Um, and, and from a, from a performance perspective, I think it's going to ultimately have the cream rising to the top. The tour does that already, but I feel like this will accelerate that. And then ideally we won't have to wait. I can't remember, was it 17 or so years since there was two surfers in the final of a world title showdown? Is that about right? Was yeah, I think it was 2003. Or three, yeah. Which, like, at that point, it was just the best day of competitive surfing in, you know, obviously recent memory. So to have that guaranteed every year, that can't hurt. Yeah, and I think the WSL, you know, they saw the numbers from last year at Pipe, and you just can't deny kind of the interest that drama like that brings, as opposed to, you know, even the even the prior year, you had Gabby and Julian that were both kind of neck and neck, but by Gabby making that semifinal, I think, before Julian did, it basically made it like completely pointless for Julian to even surf his next heat or the final. So mm. it just like you, at the end of the day, like you think of something like boxing, right? You can't declare yourself the best boxer in the world unless you beat the other guy who's the best in the world, you know? Mm. And I think that that's fair. Like I, I remember the year that uh, Joel won his title not to take anything away from that, but up until pipe joel hadn't had a win all year first of all and second of all i think he'd lost to slater like the two or three times that they surfed against each other that year i think that was the year that uh he flipped the bird to slater at kira um and so it was like weird right because kelly had three wins i think or maybe four wins throughout the season joel didn't have any and kelly had beaten joel every time they surfed against one another and yet, because Slater lost to, I think, Kersey in the Pipe Master semis, they didn't get to have their final surf off, you know, which would have determined the title. It would have been amazing. It was just like this big letdown. Great for Joel fans. Great for Joel. Stoked he won a world title. Slater didn't need another one. But it just, as a fan, you really want that, like, man-on-man ultimate battle at the end. Yeah, with them in the same conditions, having the same of everything and then it really does become a proper proper showdown. Um, although I am really keen to see what it looks like. They've given a few references there, but straight away for me, like there's a big difference in the NBA finals to the Super Bowl finals. And I, I know I know Australians do watch American sports. I didn't sort of mean that earlier that we don't pay attention to it. We we kind of Aussies sort of love everything, but the NBA is seven games. And I would love to see, and that's the same team playing the other team for not seven games, but potentially a best of seven series. So to to have that as an example, I think is really cool, given the variables we all know in surfing. If you're going to put all of that emphasis into a final day, I would love to see, you know, as much variable taken out of it as possible. Um, 
ultimately you'd think the better surfer's going to win if they surfed a number of times. Um, and I think that makes it the the fairest. I'd hate to see, yeah. you know, the Kelly Kersey semi, for instance, at pipe, like you speak of, that was, I think Kersey got one of the last great waves that broke in the ocean that day. I think even he had like a nine and a one and Kelly had a two and needed an eight and that, that was it. So, you know, and that's surfing and we're all used to that, but if you're going to have it in one day, I'd, I'd love to see like a, a round Robin style format. Um, remember the, the quickie pro trials here on the gold coast used to have that format. Um, I remember one year, Luke Munro lost his first heat in the trials, but he still won the trials because the, the next three heats he surfed, he won and got a really high total. And I think that went to his overall score. And he was dubbed the winner of that day, even though he lost his first heat. So I'd like to see some sort of contingency like that in place, which I'm sure they've thought of. Yeah. And I, I, what they come up with. I would agree. And I would assume they would put something like that in place. I think even for like the current, or I guess now the past, presuming that 2020 doesn't happen, but like if two surfers were to tie after the last event of the year, I think they have like a three event surf off option. I think that's like where it falls into, which yeah, I think that they would follow that logic for a world title because like you said, they're just, you could just have a shit 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it is. And it's like all that for that, you know, it could be such a letdown, but yeah, best of three, yeah. I think would be ideal, at least for me. Well, what did we know earlier from what they were trying to push for this year, which didn't happen was the top six in the men and it might've been the top four in the women. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like six versus five, five v four, four v three, and so on. So was that the plan? I so yeah, I think that's right. I think what I heard was that you were. I think it was six guys and four women, which I don't know why it wouldn't just be six and six. But anyway, I think what what I heard or what I remember hearing is that six would surf against five. The winner yep. of that would go against four. Yeah, the winner of that would go against three. So if you were like the sixth seed, you'd have mm. to like work your way all the way to the top mm. versus like the first seed could just basically sit there and wait, which actually has its disadvantages. A lot of athletes will tell you. hundred um, percent. Yeah. So that, I, I believe that was their idea back then. I have no idea if it's the same right yeah. now, a little later, I'd like to get into it with you about if you could design the dream tour, what would that look like to you? Um, but I have a question. A lot mm. of the criticism that we heard when that last came up was that, oh, you know, what if somebody goes and wins seven of the, you know, regular season events? Like, how are you not going to give them the world title? What would your response be to that? Um, well, I could understand how you'd feel hard done by, but every other professional sport that I can think of that comes to my mind straight away has that risk you know every sport they've just mentioned there and then every sport that i pay attention to in australia has the same thing so i think it's one of those things where you wouldn't be upset that you won seven and you just have to go and win the eighth round whatever that may look like and if you're the best you've kind of just got to get it done there's been plenty of stories in sports where teams have swept the regular season and then gone on and lost in you know the qualifying final or whatever it might be so it would suck for sure but i think that's where 
the rest of the sport world lives with that risk. So I think, you know, we, we need to get on board with that. Yeah. It's an interesting one because I feel the same way when I think about it, uh, I guess kind of abstractly, but then when I really think about it, I'm like, okay, so what if John John went and literally won like six or seven events and then for whatever reason, you know, everything just fell to shit and the final of the world title was held in just like terrible surf, you know, and whatever. They ran three heats and John ended up blue. Like it would, it would feel shitty to see someone be that dominant throughout the season and then not walk away the world champion. But I guess you're right. Like, you know, the Patriots, I forget what year it was, but they went undefeated all year. And then I think they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl who were like a way worse team. But it's like, you know, yeah, it doesn't unfathomable. Matter. The odds would have been stacked up against the Giants, you know, incredibly. And, yeah. you know, it creates more drama and it creates a crazy storyline if that other team can pull it off, which no one's expecting them to do it, or that other surfer. I think it happened in the English Premier League as well with the soccer just recently. But, yeah, like I said, I don't pay too much attention to it. But that's huge. You know, like winning a minor premiership in the soccer is massive. But you've still got to go on and win, the, you know, the grand final. Yeah, but I guess the, the one difference there is that with these other sports, at least the, the medium is the same relatively, no matter what. Like, you know, they play on a grass field all year long, and then they play in a grass field in the final tournament, whatever it's called. Whereas in surfing, yeah, we're in the ocean, presumably. If they put the final event in a pool, I'm out. Hmm. I'm going to fucking scootering or whatever the next fucking lamest sport is. <laughs> um, but no, nah, we're not. We're just, what, you, just, you just fill the gap that it leaves behind, which would be fucking massive. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is that somebody like say, and I hate to pick on him because he gets picked on a lot, but somebody like Felipe could have a huge advantage in this. If say the final event was held at a more playful wave, because he could, you know, have his normal season where he wins two events at super rippable waves, like, you know, J-Bay, Brazil, whatever it is, doesn't do so well at Chopes and Pipe. But then the final event is held at, say, like somewhere. Macaroni's know, like, or something. Yeah, Macaroni's, Lakey Peak, whatever. He becomes almost a favorite in that situation. Like he doesn't have to answer to those kind of poor results at those other spots even if he comes in as the fifth seed or whatever mm -hmm. it won't really matter because he will be so tuned into like that you know lesser caliber not lesser well i guess kind of lesser caliber whatever yeah um but yeah it could really just change the dynamic of how you can win a world title because right now you really do have to be well-rounded in kind of like all the aspects of surfing whereas that could allow more wiggle room i think I think you'll still have to be, for argument's sake, well-rounded to make the top, if they say six, that is a particularly hard year. Like, getting into the top five or six is no joke. Like, you've, you've, you've got to be so, so polished. And even, like, even more so, I think, with the, with the women, like, to be in the top four, you need to be third or better every single contest. And to win a title in a regular season, you need to be first or second. If you get a third, you're off it. And the same can be said for the men in getting into the top six. Like, and getting thirds is hard work. They don't, they don't just pop up to consistently yep. get that over seven events. So I still think you'll have to be pretty well-rounded. And if what 
why are we saying seven events? Is that kind of what they're only going to count? Which means they're probably going to drop, you know, one. Well, I guess I'm just kind of now speculating based on my own desires for what the world title will look like. But again, yeah. we'll get into that a little later. So right now, mm. uh, with what we just talked about, mm. I also wanted I wanted to move into the next point, which is essentially saying that the world title will not be decided at pipe if you read between the lines. Because mm. the next point says the holistic tours and competition schedule will be updated to create concentrated seasons between the championship tour and challenger series, as opposed to now where the events and seasons are interspersed. This not only provides enhanced narrative, marketing, and yada, 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 but also allows for those who fail to requalify through the championship tour the opportunity to perform on the Challenger Series and requalify for the Elite CT the very next season as opposed to waiting, the, waiting an entire year as they do now. Um, so if I'm reading this correctly, it sounds like or maybe I'm reading it backwards, actually. Does it sound like the, the CT is on the first half of the year and the Challenger Series in the back half or the other way around? I still looked at it as CT back half. Okay. So but I could, be, I could be completely wrong, but that's, that's how I interpret that. And I'm also no, I think, glad that you had to say the word interspersed because I was looking at that going, what even fucking is that word? There's all <laughs> kinds of E's and R's and P's where I've never even knew existed before. Yeah. But yeah. there's a lot of bullshit corpo speak in there. But okay, Crazy. looking at this the second time, I think you are correct. I think they're saying now that the Challenger Series will be in the front half of the year and Championship Tour mm -hmm. will be in the back half, which means that they could run the final event at Pipe, which makes everything that I basically just said moot. Yeah, um, but in, in saying that, like, if they're giving it this whole revamp, and I guess this is now it's coming into personal opinion, like, Pipe December, have we not learned anything? Like, pipe to run a really, really amazing comp would want to go back a month. And if <laughs> you could even go to April from what we're looking at this last week, like, it's still <laughs> firing over there. But I definitely think later the better from just, like, historically the last sort of five or so years, like, I think it would be better. I mean, the Volcom comp and the backdoor shootout just seem to put the CT to absolute shame every year. Which again, it would put out your argument, but it, they might be have restrictions that you know we can't work around that they have to they have to go with. So we'll, we'll see. Um, I think though, from what I could work out, it would be better to have it in the back half of the year because I think all the waves that are the real CT waves, they're better in the back half anyway. J Bay, Tahiti, you can still hit Fiji in that time of year, no drama at all, and. Um, bells and then obviously going into the hawaii winter i mean trestles in september like i think it's just way more suited like france look you know and and everything's suited to the back year back half of the year for the ct so i think that would be that would be cool to see okay so yeah we need to think of it like that actually i didn't really think of that before like the first half of the year kind of could all be in the back half like bells could definitely be in the back half Gold Coast yeah, is what if, whatever. What like about it, Gold Coast? Yeah, I mean, you're more likely to get a really fun swell, like a you know a nice sort of groomed three to four foot dreamy either off the wall diva or you know fun playful behind the rock snapper. You're not going to get a cyclone, but still still pumping. Like definitely good enough to run a CT. 
Cool. Well, okay. So basically, yeah, if I feel like I didn't, we didn't fully explain that super well, but basically it sounds like there's going to be two halves of a year. One is going to be like the QS, which AKA the challenger series and the challenger series is technically the prime events, 10,000, whatever you want to call them. So they're like the major events that allow you to qualify for the CT. So that'll be the first half of the year. And the second half of the year will be the championship tour. So um, it will ostensibly be, I think, a really good thing for everyone involved. Like, I can't think of anyone who really loses from, um, oh, I guess, I guess the QS surfers kind of lose because now mm-hmm. all the CT surfers will be free to do all the QS events. But Yeah, yeah but that just drives the, I'm so excited to read this because it just drives the level. No longer can you look at the QS and go, well, I can get through the QS. I could get through it. And then I'll get better once I get to the CT. You just have to get better, full stop. Because I think there's a lot of guys in the QS that would have that thought. They play to their strengths in the QS conditions and then they qualify and try to get better on the tour. Whereas now there's just no choice. You just have to be straight up getting two CT guys in your first round heat and... You've got to be better than them. And if you're not, back to the, back to the drawing board. I, I think it, it's going to raise the level. Then if you don't qualify, which is the case for 90% of the top 100, they've got six months or-ish to then go and better their craft, which is an awesome opportunity. And there's no real excuses now. It's no like, oh, I'm super busy. I just wanted to spend time at home. Like you can do all of that. You can have a really hard out competitive season have a few weeks to regain your thoughts and then just go after it and, and, and spend your money wisely on getting better in the waves that you have to, or just training or anything. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's awesome. And it's just nice too, that like, I mean, surfing didn't really have like a, an official season, you know, nah. like it just kind of like was never ending. I guess there's like kind of a few months in the beginning of the year that a lot of guys take off. But yeah, it's just kind of this ongoing thing. You know, most sports have a six or seven month window where that's where they're in competition. Yeah. You kind Um, of, if you had to take time off, you were always running a QS kind of gauntlet, you know, like I remember the last two seasons, like Zeke Lau didn't come to Australia and do the QSs, which I thought was a really good call. You know, why would he leave Hawaii? to come and do manly? Like to me, it just didn't make sense. And I, I was stoked to see people like him kind of, doing a Connor Coffin and putting all your effort into the CT, but you're taking a risk, an unnecessary risk. I thought it's like, man, the guys is qualified. You should be at home or whoever, you know, they should be at home trying to get as good as they can for snapper, not like busting out their epoxy for manly before snapper. Yep. And then on the CT side of things, you're not going to have guys who are having to run back and forth. Like they can well and truly just focus on the events at hand. And, you know, if they don't make it, they don't make it, but at least they could focus all their energy toward that and give it their best shot as opposed to having to kind of chase their tail around the world. Yeah. Two board bags all year. Like that's not fun. Yeah. No, I think it's awesome. Um, all right. And then the last point, which is, um, I just had one question for you, which I want to make sure that I word it correctly because I certainly uh, have an opinion on it that I don't want to get wrong. Um, how do you see it affecting the free surf fraternity, that tour that's just been explained? The free surf fraternity. So you're talking about like the Chippers and Noahs and that team? Yeah. 
Hmm. I guess I hadn't really put much thought into it. Uh, why don't you give me your opinion and then I'll tell you whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to be right. And I don't think I, there is necessarily a right or a wrong answer. Again, it could drive the performance levels up because guys like Gabby and that crew will have no choice, but to put clips out, they're going to be surfing. They're going to be filming. You think, I, I don't think Gabby's put out a clip in 10 years. I know, but he might now. Just to I thought. fucking hope so. Well, he did that little trip to Crewy with Rip Curl, which was basically just a board short shoot, and it was fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think what guys like Chipper and Noah and that, what they bring to the sport is very much needed, and it's very much, in, you know, it's enjoyable to watch, and I get right behind it. But I just think from like that argument of like, oh, the CT guys are so gnarly. Well, I definitely agree with that too. And I think seeing those guys with six or so months off, I think you could see some really, really cool stuff. They're not going to be as maybe artistic as some of the other stuff that a few of those other crew are putting out. You know, they'll probably be a little bit more of amp surf porn. But I still think that some of the shit we'll see when they're training will be, will be cool. Yeah, totally. I just, yeah, I guess it's what you said. Like, it's kind of an artistic thing. And I don't know, I feel like, you know, Gabby or Italo could go and do the biggest air. And it's really like, it's sick objectively, but it just, I don't know, for some reason, I guess, I don't know if they just like land everything too often that it just like loses its impact on me. But it's like, I swear I could watch them do the biggest air. And again, it's like, awesome but it doesn't be it's not like whoa you know i don't know yeah when those other guys you know stop something huge at north point and it just just has more of an impact on me for some reason i'm not sure why for sure yeah there's certainly something more attention grabbing about what those core crew are doing because they're focusing all of their time into it and and the results are amazing like some of the obviously the shit that noah and chipper do is fucking out of this world um so yeah, it'd be cool to see a few more players at that table. It's only good for us in the viewing department. Absolutely. Um, all right, cool. So now the last part of the WSL statement is the regional QS. So they're saying that increased weight and value will be given to regional QS events, encouraging up and coming surfers to develop closer to home without financially over leveraging themselves before jumping to the challenger series and beyond. The concentrated regional domestic series provide opportunities to celebrate regional stars, provide economic cover for up and coming surfers and sponsors, as well as drive media, blah, blah, blah. So essentially I, they're just going to give more points to the, to the regional events. Is that what they're saying? That's what they're saying, but I'm going to be really curious to see how they actually roll that out because certain regions have more events than others. Um, and I don't know how they're going to go about allocating the next like qualifying run of positions. So I don't know what they're going to do like top six in the region, then go into that challenger series for next year. And maybe only the top 60 in the challenger series get to stay in the challenger series for the following year. But like, for instance, is it, yeah. is it almost contrary to what they're doing with the Challenger Series? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but these regional QS events, you could theoretically still qualify. Say, you, say, they, say the highest regional event was a 6,000 and you won five of them, you know, and you had 
that's 30,000 points, you know? So according to the current stats, you'd easily qualify. But if that's the case, isn't it almost like contrary to the point of the challenger series, which is supposed to be like where you actually qualify to the CT? Like if you're giving a lot of points to these regional events, it's like, I don't know. For sure. I think that's a possibility if they're increasing the amount of events, but I don't see there being that many of that level in a region. So do you um, think you have to stay in your region? Like if you're an Australian, you can't go surf a Brazilian regional event. Cause that would make more sense to me. If it's like your region is your region and you can't go outside of it unless you're in the challenger series that, that kind of like adds up to me. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many questions around that one. I, I, I love the idea. And I love, I love the sentence about not, um, you know, encouraging up and coming surfers to develop in their own region. Cause the whole changing of the pro junior age from under 18 and under to 20 and under is something that I feel strongly about them fucking up. And this is somewhat a move back in that right direction. Um, however, there's just so many questions like the one you just put forward and say, for instance, a surfer that comes to mind is Ramsey booking him. He lives in or has residence in Morocco. He surfs Morocco does what region does he fall into now he lives on the african continent does he fall into wsl africa or can he surf in the european circuit which is far closer to morocco than you know south africa so there's just so many little questions like that that i want to follow up and get some answers on but as far as like changing regions is concerned already in the junior series, like if say Alyssa Spencer comes out to Australia and wants to do um, a junior, she can do it and she can and win no drama and get the prize money and everything. But the points for her don't count towards her American title, which is how she gets through to the world juniors. And I'd imagine the same problems are going to arise with this regional QS. Like if you do go over to Brazil, that's just going to, add your points on the normal QS, but because you've only been mm. doing 1000s all year, you, you don't have enough points anyway to get into the challenger series. Like it's going to be, tough. you know, if you, maybe if you win a few 1000s, you can get through, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess ultimately, <laughs> I guess, depending on who you are, but for fan sakes, that's kind of like the least important one. So I guess we'll mm. just see how it plays out. And if mm. we see any clear injustices, I'm sure we'll, you know, bring it back up. But yeah. I also think the WSL probably has a pretty good handle on what they want to do. So hmm. anyway, yeah, we shall see. So now what I want to do is I really want to get your idea on if you could design the championship tour, what would it look like? Now, keep in mind that the way I see it, the WSL has the ultimate leverage right now being the coronavirus and everything that's happening Mm. because if things were to just be functioning as normal right now basically they have to they want to make any sweeping changes they have to get it approved by a lot of people not the least of which are the surfers themselves because of the agreement that they have with world professional surfers which is essentially the surfers union but in my eyes because this COVID thing is happening and because they were even struggling financially before it happened if you're the wsl can't you just say like look guys our current model isn't working we just lost even more money because we couldn't even run the 2020 season so if you guys want to have a tour in 2021 we're all for it but we need to make these changes because otherwise we just can't financially do it would you say that's kind of fair yeah very fair okay so 
Now, say you are Dirk Ziff, right? Or say you're someone who actually makes the calls. I don't know if that's Dirk. I, I have no idea. But you can design the tour any way you'd like. What does it look like for you? Within reason, of course. Um, can I say no pull to start? I probably would say that. Um, and that is not what Dirk Ziff would have said. No, sorry. Ziff and co proprietary limited. Thanks for propping up the sport. Um, they got to figure that one out shorter wave period or something. Then I'll get involved. Um, I just think like pretty straightforward, really Uh, for me, all the, all the premier waves that already get, um, that already get the kind of media attention and, the towns love it. Like there's plenty of good waves around the world, but I don't necessarily know that those towns would welcome it. They're probably happy to have the waves to themselves. So that's cool. Um, it's pretty hard to go past, um, waves like Chopes, Fiji. I'd have to put the Gold Coast in there just cause it's home. And generally speaking, it's pretty fun. And then are you talking about like if I could design it as far as like total number of events? Cause I'd probably keep the events low. I'd keep the numbers on tour. I don't know if I'd keep them much lower, but I'd like to see the overlapping format used a little more where there's four people in the water. Um, I just think that's super entertaining. You kind of caught me on the spot here. I haven't really thought about it too hard. Do you want me to give you mine? Because I thought about this a lot. Yeah, you go, and then I'll try to like steal your ideas. But uh, okay. yeah, I can't. I'm not really going to give any groundbreaking answers there. I, I like waves like Trestles and J Bay and all the rest of the fairly normal ones, and then overlapping heats. I think is the best thing that's happened to surfing. So a bit more of that in there, and away we go. Okay. So, and I, I think we are going to have uh, varying opinions to a large degree, and one of those reasons is because you are not just watching this as a fan like I am. You're actually involved in it from an occupational sense and also just in a personal sense because you have such close relationships with a lot of these surfers. So uh, I think my thoughts would maybe not be ideal for you in a couple of ways, but I'm just going to lay them out. So, And I'm certainly not the first person to come up with these ideas. I just think that for as a viewer and even for the WSL, they would be kind of ideal. Um, so first things first, I want to cut half of the men's tour. I want there to actually be only 16 surfers on both the men's and women's side. Um, you could even do 15 plus a wild card at every event, but I only want 16 surfers in every event. Yeah. Um, the reason for this, there's, many actually, but the main reason for this is because I would want to move the tour to a strike mission based format where they basically the same thing they do with the big wave tour. They see Mm -hmm. a swell going to one of their locations that they have on the year long or the half year long season list. Right. And they say, you know, four days out, they see a swell coming. They let everyone know, you know, yellow light, And then three days out, they say, okay, it looks good. We're on. Everybody flies there. They surf the event in two days, which if you have 16 surfers on each side is, I think, definitely possible. You basically start around before the quarters 
and you go all the way through with two sides. Um, so you'd probably only need like a day and a half really. So you can, yeah. you know, pick the best window. Um, and to me, this would be like incredible from a viewing standpoint because you're not locked into these like two week long periods where, you know, you may or may not get waves, but you also have to surf with the current way it is. You have to have like five and a half or six days to run an event. Hmm. And one, the odds of getting that many days of good waves is very low as we see. And two, it's just so hard to like really keep interest, especially in the earlier parts of an event. Like it's just, I don't know to me, it's just, it lags so much. It's like, fucking cricket but even longer right hey, um, whoa, 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 whoa. go easy on the cricket there son <laughs> <laughs> well you even said that they, they've had to shorten that as well because people's attention span just like you know we've for just sure. got too much shit going on so they shortened it right. to you know attract the masses and it, and it worked for sure yeah and i think i i still don't know that wsl has been chasing quote unquote the masses for since their inception you know mm. in 2015 if you want to you know, call it that when they came under new management. And I, I don't think they're ever going to get the masses, but I think that they could do a lot more to appeal to the core and like the, let's call it the, uh, the mantle, I guess would be just outside the core. Somebody that knows more about science is going to tell me that I'm an idiot and that's all wrong, but whatever. The people that are not, not quite the core. Yeah. Mm. You know, so what I see them being able to do is they see us well, They bring their 32 surfers there. They run an event in two days. This would allow them to save a ton of money in production, like in terms of not having to, you know, pay for hotels for their huge staff that they have to have on on site for two weeks at each event, right? Mm. Like the Australian leg is like two and a half months long usually, and they have Mm. to like pay for people to be there that entire time. It's insane. Yeah, Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it could also do a way slimmer version of like the, the physical infrastructure at an event, you know, they, yeah, I agree. They wouldn't have to do like the massive grandstand and all that. Um, the webcast I think could be done at a slightly lower production level, like the same way they did the big wave tour, which, you know, it's not as fancy, but it's still totally functional. Um, and ultimately I think this would allow the WSL to finally justify putting a paywall on their program which Mm. people have scoffed at forever and ever and ever and i get it because first of all nobody ever wants to pay for something that they've been getting for free for a long time and second because a lot of the times you just don't know what you're going to get you don't know if the waves are going to be good you don't know if it's going to even be on one day or another Mm. but in this case you're almost guaranteed one for it to be on and two for it to be pumping and if i know that going in I have no problem shelling out, you know, whatever it is, 10 bucks an event, or they probably have a season long subscription option, whatever, you know? And if you know that every event that it's going to be like, we're on Mm. most people, if you have the ability to are going to be so excited when they see that it's a green light. And then when it's the day of, they're going to change their schedules or, you know, do whatever they can to make sure that they're able to watch those two days rather than having this like beleaguered, never-ending kind of like shitty waves a lot of the time um so to me that is the formula that would be best for fans wsl and for the top surfers 
Mm. Now, of course, the people who are not going to like this is the bottom half of specifically the men's tour because that's mm. the only one that I'm really proposing to lose. Mm. And I totally get that. And <laughs> if that was my job, I'd be pissed if anyone was saying that. But at the end of the day, it's the same five guys that are vying for the world title every year. And really, it's closer to – no, I guess it is five guys. Um, and I don't think that any of them would be affected by this. And if ultimately the goal is to one, entertain and two, crown the correct world champion, I don't think you'd find anyone who would dispute that you'd be like losing either of those two things with my proposal. No, you've, so. you've got a good proposal. I like, I like a lot of it. I, I, I got a couple of concerns, but I, I do like the idea of it. Uh, one of the things that, I don't have a problem with is paying for it. And I think that that in a way is almost like <laughs> I'm talking about it as if it's actually happening. That's how good your proposal just was. <laughs> if that were to happen, that is going to do probably the opposite of what they're hoping to achieve with attracting the masses. That's just going to get rid of all the hanger on that don't really care about it. They're not going to pay for it, which doesn't really bother me. I, I, I care about surfing. I love watching competitive surfing and I would definitely pay for it. And I think all my mates would too. And especially if you had a little more, you know, organization around like, okay, you know, going to run Sunday, Monday or whatever you can, you can, you know, make sure you're on hand or watch it later. Like most pay-per-views you can. So yeah, I think, I think that whole setup, I, I don't really see that being a, a problem for the core fraternity. They might scoff at it originally, but you know, if they understand that the cost that goes into these things, like the broadcast, the way they run the broadcast for surfing is like unreal. It's such a good broadcast. And I don't think that those guys get enough credit for that. But one thing that would be potentially a lot more expensive is, is getting the whole thing set up so quickly. You'd probably need more people and getting people there last minute isn't going to be as cheap as what it is when you're planning things months in advance. So there are those things to take into consideration, but overall, I think the idea of getting the best waves is the main thing that we all care about that we all agree on. So the higher chance you can give the sport of that, I think people would get behind it. Yeah. And another thing that I forgot to mention too, is they'd be saving a ton in prize money, which I think I, I, kind of never really thought that much about. And then I heard that that's actually one of, if not the biggest expenses that the WS has, the WSL has at every event is just mm. pure prize money. So if you're getting rid of 16 or so guys, you're saving a minimum of like 200 grand, which is mm. certainly not nothing. Um, so yeah. I do agree, you know, like for instance, like flight costs would be significantly more expensive. Yeah. Um, getting things, getting you know, accommodations and stuff would be pretty tricky. Yeah. You know, a place like commune and Bali, um, you, you, you've shit Creek without a paddle there. You're not going to get that. You're not, you can't book that place. You know, G lane yeah. would be the same. There's all kinds of spots that are like that, but yeah, I guess it's something you'd have to work with. And your idea is not as, as crazy as what it might sound like. It wasn't that long ago that the tour was the top 16 there was just a 16 man trials just before it. So it seemed a little more bolstered, but it was the top of the top. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys in the back half of the tour that are like, I mean, they're all really good surfers, but there are a lot of guys in the back half of the tour that I actually like to watch, but 
at the end of the day, I think if we could get straight into like just the meat of it and, you know, your first heat matters, Hmm. you know, number one's going up against number 16. And if he loses, he's out, you know, (laughs) like I just, I just, the waves are good. Hmm. If the waves are good, I don't know. I mean, it rules out everything else, really. If you're watching pumping waves and you're sitting around and it's, I don't know, 16 guys and it's like a maybe kind of like what I mentioned earlier, if you've got a little more time, use it. So maybe everyone, instead of just surfing two heats, maybe they get a crack at three before they lose. And if the waves are pumping, you don't, you don't really care. Everyone rips when the waves are pumping. So you're going to be, you're going to be glued. Yeah. And um, if they're not ripping, you, you, you're glued to it because you're kind of like, whoa, the guy just got exposed or whatever. So it's like having the quality waves kind of rules out everything, I think. And it's definitely something that the big wave world tour does that amazingly. And the broad and the, the, the show they put on is incredible. So using that as a model is definitely, um, definitely something that, you know, the short borders can do. Yeah. That's what I was going to, I was going to say like a potential criticism could be that the surfers would be like, Oh, but we didn't get to like, you know, practice at this spot and yada, yada. But then you just said the big wave guys. And that oh. just made me think like, dude, these guys are going from like, probably not surfing a wave overhead high for like a few weeks. Right. Mm. And then they have to go <laughs> paddle out on like one of the biggest days of the year yeah. at, you know, one of a few venues yeah. and they get paid fuck all to do it. <laughs> so the so CT guys have a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. ultimately, though, these guys are so good and they're so primed and ready that if, I mean, they're already chasing swells, right? Like, and it's, mm. it's kind of the same thing. Like you see a swell going somewhere and yeah. you go, like, if I was a CT surfer, I would be so frothing at this idea especially if i was one of the top guys you get to hang out you know at home or wherever you had a home base that was kind of Mm. central to the locations and live a great life and yeah it might be a little stressful sometimes that like something pops you know an event pops up but yeah for the most part you wouldn't have to be in australia for two and a half months you know like you could i wonder how you do it though would you be like okay we've got uh 12 events proposed for the year say if one of those periods rolls through and they're just that block of events that you wanted to run just didn't light up. Okay. Well this year we're only going to count nine events or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's a reality, you know, like, you know, the classic Kong story of them like adding an event in Manly after he just won the last event of the year in Hawaii or whatever. Like, is, is that a possibility of happening? Like, and then where's your last event? You, so you know, to me, I think they would have to have, like a finite number of events and i think that barring some like excruciating issue they should have to run all of them so you know where you stand at all times it's not like oh they could end it's not like you're playing musical chairs you know where it's like oh are they gonna end it are they not you know like am i am i gonna be in first place am i gonna be you know oh so imagine I, that feeling holy moly yeah that'd be terrible that would take away <laughs> from their whole idea of wanting to finish the last heat of the year in the water it's just like a zoom video of like someone on their couch like okay, we're about to tell them that there's no more events this year. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, again, even if they had to do that, the last event, like the playoffs, quote unquote, Mm. would kind of make that more okay. It would suck if you were on the bubble, but Mm. if you're within that top six, at least, you know, you could still go out and win the title even if you didn't get that last event in or whatever. Imagine the requalification battle. So if you're saying it's only a top 16, like then they're only taking the top 10 and yeah, the top exactly. six qualify off the QS, that would be yeah. psycho. 
but and then it would, again it would probably be a lot of the same guys requalifying also so mm. you would lose a bit of that kind of like the new guy that comes in and really finds his feet on the CT like it would be harder mm. and I, I get that that sucks but still at the end of the day yeah the top guys are the top guys and it does yeah. worry me a tiny bit I think I could be completely wrong Griffin could have come home really strong in his first year but I think he finished like 18th or something so yeah, he did not finish very high. The, that scares me, you know, because someone like him definitely, you know, I mean, you could say that about a lot of the guys, though. But so. he'd, he'd re-qualify on the QS again, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, true, he would. Yeah. You're not going to worry about the, the true, the chop guys. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I see it. Anyway, so mm. that was my general proposal. Do you have any, yeah, like, what are your no, thoughts? No, mine. I mean, talked about mine, my thoughts, but do you have, like, an actual proposal? I do not have an actual proposal. Um, I've been really busy doing sweet fuck all and I hadn't really thought about it. Um, and um, I am a, probably a little more of a traditionalist in the sense of that I, I like some of those, you know, like I love test cricket. So I, I don't mind that surfing's a little boring or there's some slow events or, or whatever. So I'm of that sort of train of thought where I don't really mind, but I do understand to make the sport profitable and to, to create more of a, I guess, an interest in it. Um, you have to, you know, cater to the world we're living in, which is like shorter attention spans and people want instant results and instant, you know, anything as instant as it can be. <laughs> fucking instant yeah. coffee and instant gram, whatever it is. Um, it's uh, definitely not the worst idea I've ever heard, but I think that, you know, if I was to put something together, I'd probably, uh, I like the 2009 format on the tour where it was two seeded rounds. And if you're in the lower seed, you started in the first round. And if you lost your first heat, you're just out. And the second round was your top guys. And it was man on man straight away from round one. And I think that lends itself to the overlapping format, which I think still keeps, you know, the numbers a little higher, but you're having hopefully more action and those mid-range guys can have a year where they find their feet and, and stuff like that before they sort of blossom into to two or threats because not everyone can do a Gabby and just come on and win two events and whatnot. You know, some people need time to learn and to grow. And I think that ultimately is better for the sport in the long run. Um, you don't want people sort of getting discouraged too early in their career. Um, although it is professional sports. So I guess you've just got to figure it out sometimes, but um, I think that that way would be pretty cool with having four guys in as much as you can, like all the way to the quarters and more waves being ridden and that getting people's attention rather than shortening the amount of people in the water uh, with the whole draw. That would be probably my only difference that I can think of straight away. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, something that we also maybe didn't explain that well is that the outlines or sorry, the changes that we've outlined that the WSL has essentially outlined are uh, fluid in a sense like the WSL is basically putting out this info and saying like here look this is what we've talked about this is what we've kind of like come to it's not necessarily like this is the way that it is it's it's actually they really want to get um, kind of feedback from surfers and actually just like the general public so that could be 
me and you, Stace, that could be anybody that has a keyboard that wants to kind of give their two cents. So um, I think that's really cool that the WSL is open to like criticism and, and to, you know, any ideas mm -hmm. really. And ultimately also that means that not only are these decisions not really like finite, but the scope of them, it could be a lot bigger what they end up doing like that's why we kind of got into what our ideal ct would look like because mm. the changes could actually be bigger than what they're saying right here they're just laying kind of a framework to yeah. let people know that like this is kind of where they're heading mm. um but i think we're going to find out more shortly on what their like kind of true plans are um yeah. we've heard kind of whispers that they actually do have more details that they're going to be sharing with the surfers soon. Um, Cause that's actually part of their deal with the surfers. Like the WSL can't just go and make a decision without the surfers consent. That's, you know, part of the contractual agreement they have. So yeah, surfers are going to have a vote on these things and hopefully the general public will have a little say also, but um yeah, I guess we, um, we're going to come back. And last episode, I promised you that we were going to get a WSL executive on this show. Um, I am going to have to break that promise. We don't have a WSL executive, but uh, we're going to be getting one soon, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, if, you, if my words are worth anything anymore. Um, we're also going to get one, maybe two CT surfers on an upcoming episode and get their idea of kind of like what's going on and where they would like to see their sport going because ultimately it is their sport and the WSL knows that without the surfers, they have nothing. So um, yeah, it really is a two way street. But like I said at the beginning, the WSL without the, as much as the, the surfer, as much as WSL needs the surfers, the surfers need an organization to put on these events and to crown a world champion. So the WSL is in a powerful position in the sense that, you know, they can just say, look, this is what we need to do to remain financially viable. So it's a really interesting situation. Um, yeah, yeah. Any final sure. thoughts on your end? No, I think it's cool. And I think that in a way the, you know, the COVID gun is loaded and any thoughts that both sides have had are going to get accelerated, which is a good thing. Like surfing's definitely been reaching for some new kind of spark for a while there. I think we've got the, heroes and the villains that need to make up the sport and the performance levels are so crazy on both the men and the women. And so I think the surfers are doing their part and if the, you know, the sport can come to the table and I think they've been doing a good job, but I think some of the proposals that they've been putting forward, if they were activated and everyone got behind them, I think it would, most of them sound only for the better. So I'm, I'm pretty excited of, of what it all looks like, especially the whole separating of the two tours. I think that's going to increase the performance levels across the board. And that excites me a lot. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And like, obviously with how bad this COVID situation is, you know, uh, it's hard to say like, you know, it's hard to find the positives, but if there is a positive, you know, as a surf fan, I think that we're actually going to greatly benefit from the changes that come in the WSL. And I really think a lot of changes needed to happen and, Fortunately, this has put them in a tricky enough situation where they didn't have any choice but to um, step in and really just shake up everything that they had going, like completely change the paradigm. So, yeah, that's all I got. Um, 
Stace, let's get back on here soon. Yeah, I think we, um, we've got some people to talk to. It was fun to share our opinions, but uh, it's probably more useful to get the opinions of people who <laughs> actually matter in this whole thing. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think once this all hits the, the World Wide Web and everyone can digest it, um, we'll get some people in with some more, uh, some deeper background and uh, some higher intelligence perhaps. And uh, I would see, certainly they, hope so. <laughs> see what they have to say about it. Um, yeah, it's going to be going to be cool to see. I think you know, we've got a couple of guests we're trying to line up that are pretty young in the sense of things, but they've been been around the block a few times, which is um, you know always helps when you're trying to pick people's brains. I think you know new ideas can come from the, the younger generation are sometimes better than the old guard. So we'll see. All right, Stace, thanks so much. Um, yeah, we'll catch you guys soon.